Welcome to Radio 4. The time is 1.16pm. <laughs> this is the shipping forecast. Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. My name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk. And today, together with my co-host Lindsay from lindsaydoeslanguages.com, we talk about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. So coming to you today from very cold, very rainy Canterbury. January weather is really taking hold. Lindsay, Happy New Year on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Happy New Year. <laughs> my first one in 2019. Yeah. Woo. Nice to have you back on the show as well. Thank you. Nice to be back. Mm. <laughs> has, have, did you have a good start into the year? Yeah, I would say so. Definitely. Yeah, it was, it was a, 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 a whoosh past, as they say, and um, ended last weekend, the time we're recording this, with um, the replacement of what was Lingo Fringo. So it was nice to get up to Edinburgh and see lots of people and talk about language for a few hours. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was a good start. It was really fun because we were both giving talks and I learned a little bit of Guarani from you. Mm -hmm. And maybe you learned a little bit of Welsh from me. Sumai. <laughs> Aguije. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so we're also getting on, I, th I think one of my favorite projects, probably for you as well, one of our favorite, favorite projects of the year is coming and the ticket sales are open now. So let's introduce women in language. Yay! Party popper time. Yay! <laughs> so last year was the first uh, edition of the Women in Language Conference, which hosted over 25 speakers, lasted four days, was so, so much fun. Lindsay, do you have any, like, memories that particularly stand out to you? Oh, just I remember I was very cold because <laughs> I was in Cusco. We were in, in three different time zones, me, you and Shannon, do you remember? Mm. And, um, yeah, it was very cold. And I remember starting, it started quite early in the morning for me, so I'd be sat there like trying to warm up as the as the day started. And yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, probably. This year I'll be at home. <laughs> the online event, the, the only online event that I remember doing, I think because, you know, when you're organizing it, you're just so on it and paying attention to it all. The only online event that felt almost like an offline event. Like my life was completely taken over by women in language mm, mm. in a good way. In a good way. That's right. <laughs> and this year we're coming back. So the dates for this year's Women in Language Conference, everybody, you can get your ticket now, are the 7th to the 10th of March 2019. So it's coming up. It's an online event. And Lindsay, what's in store? So there's, as before, four days to the event, like you just said. And there's like, again, like last time, you've got the notebook and um, the calendar and everything. But we're also offering everyone the chance to present a lightning talk. So we want to open this up and have one session at least that's going to be uh, open to you to come and share a little bit of your language wisdom. Yeah, don't be scared, you know, just <laughs> talk about whatever you want and... We'll hear more about it, but you have to have a ticket in order to be presenting a lightning talk. So it really is for the attendees to share one of their own passions or wisdoms or whatever they're into, really. There's no topic restriction to a lightning talk. Mm. I have to just make it work technically, and it's going to be awesome. In addition to the tickets being on sale at the moment, we also have listened to our audience. There were a few people who said, oh, well... Um, not entirely sure, ticket price, can't invest. Da, da, da. It is um, about as affordable as we can make it. It's also a non-travel conference. So that's all there for you. But we understand that attending a language event like this is, is for some people a luxury. So we've also put something special in place this year, which is that you can, if you're a ticket purchaser and you're feeling particularly generous and you've got the means to do so, you can contribute to tickets for somebody else who can't afford a ticket. And then there'll be an application form. And if there are the funds and somebody has maybe 
bought an extra ticket for somebody, you can apply to receive a donated ticket. It's something we're trying out this year to open up women language for even more women and people from everywhere in the world. So if you're listening right now and you're feeling, you, you're kind of looking at the website and you're feeling for some reason prevented from purchasing a ticket, do get in touch to the form right there at womeninlanguage.com. Yay. And finally, charity donation as well. Mm, 10% of all ticket sales will go to charity. So yep. that's Women in Language, 7th to the 10th of March. We would love, love, love to see you there, see you in the chat, perhaps even hear from you in a lightning talk. The lineup is looking amazing. We're still, you know, in February at the moment. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm excited to see the latest update to it from when I last saw. I know. Oh, it's <laughs> going to be so cool. We've got some wonderful, wonderful, experienced well-known speakers, but just so many cool new names, which is what I love, love, love about conferences, that you get to hear from new people as well and some really interesting talks. So that's all lined up for you, womeninlanguage.com. That's all we wanted to say about that. You know, come and come and meet us there. It's an event that we are organizing every year. By the way, it's called Women in Language, but it's open to everyone. We're not going to gender check you or anything like that. And we love hearing from you know, the the males or the, you know, if you're, no matter what your gender option is, if you are in the chat room, you have a voice. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> okay. Um, Lindsay, we also have a one more announcement to make before we feel ourselves into this week's topic. So for you mm. listening, just to warm you up and give yourself some thoughts, have a think about this one. Our topic today is language intuition and gut feelings. Ooh. So for a minute, just relax and build your gut feeling. Put yourselves in a you know comfortable environment while Lindsay's dulcet tones will introduce you to this week's <laughs> <laughs> this week's sponsor before we get to the gut feeling. Welcome to Radio 4. The time is 1.16pm. <laughs> this is no, the I'm shipping kidding. forecast. Today, <laughs> so today, our sponsor, today's episode is brought to you with the support from Drops. Drops is the new way to learn a language that combines short, engaging wordplay with mnemonic association. Did I say that right? I always get that word wrong. I always want to go mnemonic. Mm, mnemonic. Mnemonic. Has a silent That's M. The one. Silent M. Yeah, silent thank you, M. Greek. Silent. <laughs> and Mnemonic. the drops the drops app design is beautiful and playful and it will make you want to come back again and again in fact we've heard from listeners who share this app with their children so the whole family can play and learn on drops together which is amazing i'm all for children learning languages this app makes language app use exciting and fast paced with its word games and it's guaranteed to become one of those that you use every day i'm using it every day at the moment for korean to give me some vocab because i cannot remember korean vocabulary kirsten are you using it right now <laughs> but right now right now this second not right now <laughs> you should be listening to my sponsor message right I, I now am, kirsten. i am <laughs> I do. I do. I listened I listen to drops. I do drops. Actually, I was doing it somewhere. I didn't want to annoy my husband, so I switched the audio off and now I'm really missing the audio, so that's got to come back mm -hmm. on. It's really good because it's not a computer voice, but a a recorded voice. So I really like that. I have been playing around with it for Russian, but the only word I can remember is the Russian word for bra. And that's useful. <laughs> yeah, Buskalter, which is based or like very close to the German word for bra. So, you know, if you've got, um, if you want to know the words for bra, um, you know, send me an email and I will share them. <laughs> but I'm using it quite frequently for Chinese as well. And ah. it's fabulous for learning the, um, it's it's the best app I've seen so far for helping me learn the characters and the script. I was just going to say, so speaking of Chinese, that she, as well as being available for all iOS and Android devices, there's even a special kind of partner app going on with Drops right now, which is Scripts. So they've taken the script element of learning a new language with a different writing system and put that into a separate app. So if you're at the very beginning of learning, I think right now they have Japanese and Chinese and Korean. 
then the scripts app from Drops is the place to begin with that. So to try our sponsor Drops and play with your words today, look for Language Drops in the app or Play Store and head to languagedrops.com forward slash fluent show where you want to go deeper with Drops. As Fluent Show listeners get a 40% discount. That's pretty nifty. So uh, don't forget, go yeah. to languagedrops.com Hours of forward slash hard negotiating. <laughs> <laughs> forward slash fluent show after your free trial to get a great deal on this award-winning language app. And thank you to Drops. That is it with Drops. All right, let's get into the topic for today's podcast, which is gut feeling and intuition. So Ooh, this is an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel it and um i mean in german we have a i don't know if it's a more elegant name for it but we we call it the bauchgefühl so stomach feeling in in german which is mm. which is roughly the same so it's a little higher up the digestive tract <laughs> either way we we both feel it in our feel something in our bellies and this isn't we're not talking about butterflies in your stomach we're talking about something else and um do you want me to tell you how i came to this this topic tell me I the story okay tell me the story tell Kirsten. you the story the story <laughs> <laughs> the story or the suggestion of this topic the idea of this podcast topic um which is very often when i think Oh, I don't know. I want to have a conversation about this. And who better to have a conversation with than Lindsay? So the question came to me at the Fluent German retreat. So we were in Trier and the Fluent German retreat involved me rocking up at the apartment of our retreat attendees with fresh baked goods from a German bakery because there's no way we're doing a German retreat without baked goods. <laughs> so me turning up there in the morning and being like, hey, okay, right, let's let's make you some breakfast. Um, got the breakfast going and then um, speaking German to them very early, <laughs> which is a challenge for, um, when you first, when you're not used to it. And I was having this conversation or this sort of, um, I was making coffee and Rachel, one of the attendees, asked me, um, well, how do you know how much coffee to put in this coffee machine? I've never, you know, I don't use this coffee machine. How do I make this coffee in, in German? And I said to her, actually, classic Kirsten, so I said to her, well, you sort of do it maybe like this, but really I don't know. And it's um, Bauchgefühl. Mm. Bauchgefühl and she said Bauchgefühl and, and, and you know we're not switching to English in, in the retreat we, yeah. we try not to so I was trying to explain it and it took a little while but eventually she we, we got there and she said Bauchgefühl ah ah and she said I need a German Bauchgefühl I need to I need the German gut feeling and that made that's the moment when I realized that she's right gut feeling is is something that that is relevant to language learning and it is something that that really is can be so so beneficial because so when i talk about making a coffee essentially what i was saying is well i sort of count the cups but then what i also do is i look at how much water i put in the machine i look at the the pile of coffee and then i make an assessment based on that i guess based on every single time i've made coffee in the past i make that assessment and think well does that look about right you know, and but then, you're not really thinking all of that. It's just happening. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling yeah. it. Yeah, so there's a yeah. thinking part of me because I'm going, okay, well, I've got um, the machine says I've put eight cups worth of coffee in, so I'm going to put this many spoons of coffee in. But, mm. you know, in the Trier apartment, the spoon size is different to my spoon size here. So I yeah. need this kind of extra yeah. knowledge. And that's when she was asking me about it that that was what a gut feeling is so for me gut feeling is when something when you when your 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 brain isn't necessarily well no this is i will come to this in a second <laughs> that it is still your brain but you your thinking conscious you know deliberate part of your brain you isn't switched on to whatever decision or assessment you're making but instead you you your body generates so i guess your your stomach <laughs> generates a feeling whether something is right or not so you know mm. for example the right answer to a question like if i say to you lindsay what's the capital of scotland would you say that it's got feeling well you know the answer without having to look for it oh, in your brain see, i 
that's interesting because to me, I feel like that would be knowledge. Ooh. Like that to me is more like brain feeling. And then if you said to me, um, who should win an election, right? That would be more of a gut feeling because you're feeling like about what's, what you think is, is right or wrong, depending on who is up for election. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas yeah. like the capital of Scotland would be like a fact. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't, that to me doesn't feel like a gut. But then if I didn't know the answer for sure, then, okay, if I didn't know the answer for sure, then I would say my gut would tell me the logical guess would be Edinburgh. Mm. So do you see a difference between gut feeling and intuition? Hmm. How would you describe intuition? To me, intuition, and, and this is all framed in the fact that I like to read, and I'm, I'm reading, the book I'm reading at the moment is Thinking Fast and Slow, which uh-huh. is, what does it say on it? Oh, it doesn't actually say, it doesn't have a subtitle where it explains to you what the actual book is about. That would be handy for people who try to summarize it for podcasts. You've just got to judge it by its cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a pencil on the cover. But essentially, it's, it's written, it's a cognitive science book, and it's about... Well, it's about thinking fast and thinking slow. And the thinking fast, the way the way the author explains it, who is a Nobel laureate in I think psychology and all sorts of fancy mm. stuff. Yeah, fancy. yeah. Fancy man. Um the way he explains it is that thinking um happens in two different systems. There is a system one and a system two. In, in, mm. in your brain, or that's how your brain makes assessment. And system one is the sort of really speedy, I can answer a question, I can understand. System one, for example, understands language, mm. right? So if I talk to you in English, it, and your English is so, you're so used to it, you're so comfortable with it, that the all the words you're processing, everything I'm saying to you, yeah. doesn't need, you don't need anything extra. You don't need yeah. you don't need to work hard, you know, that's the thing. Almost isn't it? like a, 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 a rom and a ram. Mm, <laughs> a rom and a ram. <laughs> Explain that yeah. one for for, for oh. the listeners and me. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna get it the wrong way around. <laughs> so one of them is I can't remember which way around. One of them is the short term like memory of a computer and one of them is like the longer sort of deeper memory of a computer so there's like if you were to buy a laptop and it said i don't know it would have maybe two gig i want to say ram is the short one and there's going to be loads of computer people now able to correct me on this and then it would say um you know 30 gig uh memory of um rom i don't know which but you know what i mean one of them is like the processing power and then one of them is just the memory ah it's basically yeah a little bit bit like that that. okay i can understand that because yeah like you say english i'm not having to dig into that kind of like memory of stuff it's just the quick i just know i'm not even thinking about thinking or thinking about understanding whereas a language that i don't know so well like I've got a, a, a Portuguese lesson later today, then I would be like, you know, processing a little slower and just every now and then I'd be dipping into that. Whereas if there's a language I know even less, then I would be like constantly kind of dipping into that memory to search for, Do have I heard that mm. sound or that word before? Yeah. You know, and it would be a lot slower. So I can see the the crossover here. Mm, exactly. You're really coming mm. to why this is why this is relevant or why it's interesting to talk about gut feeling for for the sake of language learning. It's um I, I mean the system one, system two, before I get lots of angry emails or something, I the system one, system two, um difference that Kahneman makes in thinking fast and slow is not entirely about um memory. It's more of a processing cognitive thing. But mm-hmm. there is that there. So, so what you're describing there is sort of I am actively searching my memory, and I am going like your brain is just mm. so much slower. For example, in Portuguese or Korean, at processing all those sounds that are coming at you because you've just not heard them as much in your life, and you don't know where to put them, and there might be some, mm. you know, then you have to convert them into words, and this this is the kind of thing. So it gets easier and easier. It gets less um 
the cognitive strain, everything, all the processing that you've got to do, all this kind of like, you know, when you, it's like you say with a computer, you know, when they make that noise, when they sort of go like, and the fan starts going or the older ones where they like start clicking like crazy. (gasps) (laughs) It's, it's that, right? It's, it's that, it's that, that extra work. And I think that's what's so exhausting about speaking a language we don't know so well. But then when you, but then what you, what we maybe crave, what we want, what we, what we hope to achieve, I think for for many people, it's this sense of a gut feeling. So a gut feeling is, it's not necessarily even about how quickly can I retrieve the vocab. It is, Lindsay, if you are to say things in Portuguese. Yeah. Um, and I've never said the word before, and I'm going to attempt it because I know that, like, well, the pattern of those words is this, you know, or that's a word from Latin, so it's probably going to be similar, but with a Portuguese accent or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You there can is... kind of assume this this knowledge based on what you already know, right? That kind of gut feeling of like, ah, it's going to be a masculine noun. Yes, yes. That yeah. or or I think when you know when somebody says something wrong, say in English. Mm. And you instantly and know this it's wrong. feeling of like, oh, that's not quite right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The, the yeah. dissonance there of of what you're expecting to hear, and the the speed of that, I think, is is a really really interesting thing. So, have you ever in when you've spoken another language, have you or are you aware, say in Spanish, your probably best foreign language, mm. or most comfortable one? Are you aware of this this gut feeling? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's something like you say, Spanish being one I'm much more comfortable with, where I feel that stronger, that gut feeling stronger. I would feel more confident to guess new words that I don't know or to say, Oh, hang on. You've just said that, but that doesn't sound like it's a masculine noun. So I think the article would be loud, you know, and, and, and kind of you feel the language. Mm. You feel it. That's a great Whereas, example. Yeah. Whereas I feel like, and it, 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 it's not like a switch though, I don't think. I don't think it's just like, okay, all of a sudden I've, I've developed that. Boom, here I go. Perfect. I think it's definitely something that grows. Like I'm saying in Portuguese right now, I can begin to do that with certain bits. Whereas something that's a lot less, like, I don't know, um, like in, let's say, um, Indonesian, where I don't have, as I don't know any languages related to it as directly then it would be harder for me to kind of develop that that sort of guessing ability because I haven't studied the language as much. I don't have that much knowledge around that language. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's definitely like a grower, not just a, not a switch of on and then, you know, or off rather, and then all of a sudden it's on. I think you made a really interesting point as well about the... You know how you said, oh, it's a Latin-based language, like in Spanish, I can, you know, like, and you you mm. sort of, I think your brain tells you this is a Latin-based language from everything that you see around you that you you recognize. So yeah. you, even without consciously going, ah, Portuguese is a Latin-based language, I know this word in Spanish, blah, blah, blah. And then like rummaging your brain for the history of the Romans and whatever the heck else is, is yeah. in there, you know, like you don't do that. Instead, I think your brain just goes, ah, this looks like, this looks similar to Spanish. I'm going to like process it perhaps similar to Spanish, which I guess this is... This explains why we perceive some languages to be harder than others. Yes. Yeah, that because it's more distant a lot of the time I think those languages that we perceive as difficult are more are more distant from us yeah. from what we know. Mm, mm. That's really yeah. interesting. That yeah, because you and and pronunciation as well it's it's kind of the same so the, the more you know the more something makes you feel comfortable in that environment the more you're going to guess oh and i have a i have a quote for you from <laughs> from oh. thinking fast and slow yeah which is it's hard work but it's it's an excellent book but i like that kind of thing so um listeners if you if you like this kind of thing and you want to read about brains and that kind of thing um i can recommend this book um blink by malcolm gladwell is a really good sort of 
popular psychology book that, that touches on this mm. and then um <laughs> becoming fluent which i feel like i recommend in every other episode but that's a good one um and this okay there's something here that i thought was really interesting that he talks about research and how your, your system one is basically an association machine Okay. You know, just continuously going like, ah, connection, 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 connection. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. This must be this. This must be this. You know, like, I'm in a quiet room right now. That means there's no, no one's going to attack me. I'm safe. The temperature is fine. I'm not going to die. You know, like, everything, everything in your, so, so much processing at the same time. Brains are amazing. And what, something that he described is this, um, word association and meaning association test i think it's called the random association test um okay okay so for an easy example Lindsay, consider the following three words cottage yeah. swiss cake what connects them cottage swiss cake what connects them uh-huh uh roll <laughs> cottage roll <laughs> Yeah, Swiss roll. Uh, uh, Swiss roll and a cake is like a Swiss a Swiss roll is a cake. Swiss cottage is a is a place in London, isn't it? In North London. Yeah, you see how association machine is really kicking in. But I don't think is there a right answer of like one thing? No, it's funny though cuz I also went, "Ah, Swiss cottage, it's a it's like a tube station." Yeah. You know, and it's but obviously it's not it's written by like an American who doesn't go on the tube probably as much so he so i'll i'll read this and we'll just have to take it at face value because you know it's a smart man who got nobel prize he says can you think of a word that is associated with all three you probably worked out that the answer is cheese so it's cheese cheese <laughs> cheese cottage what cottage cottage cheese. oh cottage cheese <laughs> oh <laughs> okay swiss cheese cheesecake got yeah. it yeah okay he said, now try this dive light Rocket. Dive, light, rocket. Okay. Water, rocket. Light, water. Dive in, water. No. Does it have to be like the word goes before or after? Mm, I believe so. Wait, he just says Hmm. a word that is associated with all three. Deep, dive, deep, light. What was the last word? Rocket. Deep, what? No, that's not. This is really strange because I remember doing reading this, and I also thought of the word deep. It's 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 wrong, but clearly, yeah. like we, well, it's not it's not wrong though, is it? Right? It's just true, true. It's just a a gut feeling or an intuition, I guess. Yes, and and so it's not wrong. We obviously have you know a lot of world in common in that way, and and it's it's interesting that you know the, the author of this book obviously completely different, but it's written at a different time by a different person with an entirely different life experience, etc. But, but let's take it, I guess, because it's I think just before I don't know, we move those, on, those were his examples. Just oh, before we move on, what was the answer? Yeah. So he says, the problem is much harder, but it has a unique correct answer, which every speaker of English recognizes. Uh Uh-huh, sure, mate, sure. Uh, Although less than 20% of a sample of students found it within 15 seconds. The answer is sky. Sky dive, skylight. Skyrocket. Skyrocket. Which is a very American word, right? Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't, yeah, yeah, see, I would never think skyrocket. No. A rocket in the sky, No, yeah. it's like, you know, when people say something grows really quickly, they say it's skyrocketing. Yeah, but I would never use that word, so that's, that's a cultural side then. Exactly. And then he described that if you, you know, the, the test subjects, they didn't mm. use these words on the test show, I think he just made them up as, as an example of how this test worked. The test subjects who were taking this test were asked to recall either a happy memory or a unhappy memory. Okay. So, so, and then it's, which means your, your mood got affected. And then he says, unhappy subjects were completely incapable of performing the intuitive task accurately. Their guesses were no better than random. Mood evidently mm. affects the operation of system one. When we are comfortable and unhappy, when we are uncomfortable and unhappy, we lose touch with our intuition. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and some of the explanation of that is is around when you are uncomfortable or unhappy, your 
system two, so your your much more um, processy thinking part kind of takes over because you start um, and you lose touch with what's what's um, your your intuitive feelings because your intuition is too busy making sure you're safe, making sure your environment is okay, making sure there's no you know nothing that you need to flee from or hide and all that kind of stuff. So that means you need to be in a relaxed, happy, comfortable environment in order to to tap into that intuition, in order to have a correct gut feeling. And then when we apply mm. this to language, isn't that interesting? Because it's, I, I, think it, I think it explains why conversations are so hard at first. And it's not just your knowledge, it's also you're absolutely not trusting yourself and you're not in an environment where you can even access anything that would help you get there. Mm. Very much extrapolating here. But, <laughs> but, but I thought that was really, really interesting. And, and also, you know, when people report learning languages quite well when they're on a trip or when they're on a holiday or I, I, in, the, in the retreats, I see it with people yeah. who on day three are that much more comfortable, are that much more, you know, that's when, that's when people kind of come out of their shell a little that's bit. That's funny. That's funny you said that because I was thinking when you describe when you were saying think of like an unhappy situation or somewhere you were uncomfortable. I was thinking of like being sat in an airport for hours or sat on an on a long rickety bus for hours, you know? Mm. So that's still like trip and travel related, but in a different sense. Yes, in a different sense. It? Like an uncomfortable but that's what I instantly that was what I brain took me to interesting yeah but then when you're like I, see i was thinking like you're, you're thought, hanging by the place. beach with the with the locals mm. or something you know and you 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 finally arrived and all that stuff and then you perhaps yeah. starting a conversation oh and you maybe you've had a drink you know and all this kind of relaxing stuff so if we were to put this into practice i guess that means for your home practice of language when you are in an environment where you, you're practicing language at home and you're wanting to process and you're wanting to put yourself in a situation where your gut feeling is well, activated, what would that environment look like? Well, I think it has to be somewhere comfortable, right? Somewhere that you're not having to think. It's a bit like um, what you were saying there. It's almost like hierarchy of needs. Have you heard of that? Oh, I yeah. It's Mas Maslow, Maslow's, mm -hmm. I think. Um where this idea of like your security and stuff is almost at the bottom. So, mm -hmm. you know, knowing that you're safe and knowing that you have like enough water and enough food and things like that. And then it sort of goes up in this hierarchy. So it's what you need all of these things, mm -hmm. but you know, the things at the top are relying on those things at the bottom being in place. Like you've got this solid foundation. And I think that, so if you're thinking about like, you know, where are you going to learn languages? Like when you're saying somewhere uncomfortable, I'm thinking, I don't want to learn languages like sat on the floor of an airport for hours. I want to be sat in my little chair at home with all my books there ready to go. I've got my, my little timer ticking away, you know? Yeah. That's the, that's the, the difference. And that's going to make me then learn better. Mm. And you're touching on something I wanted to um, mention as well, which is this other sense of our gut feeling, our intuition about how and where we like to learn. Mm. I think that's interesting because we're surrounded by so many messages about or perceptions about what we should be doing or what other people are doing or where yeah. people are pushing really hard and going for it or people are saying oh you know only do it slowly and and you know I don't need to be as intense but you in when you're starting any new language or at any point you in your body know what what you want to do you know and yes. I feel like that's a gut feeling Yes, like the more uncomfortable you feel with that, the more, you know, like the, 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 the less you have that initial gut feeling or intuition of what you want to be learning, how you want to be learning it, et cetera, mm -hmm. the more you're going to look to others. You know, maybe you're going to search on Google and think like, okay, I'm looking for someone. You find a Facebook group or whatever and you, you say, ah, oh, wow, all these other people are doing this, this and that. And then you think, well, I'm, I guess I'll have to do that. Yeah. But really you're not giving yourself a chance to, to figure out if that's right for you, perhaps you're perhaps, 
perhaps you're perhaps perhaps you're forcing that on yourself when you should maybe try it yeah sure but then see if it sticks and if it works for you yeah yeah this just really reminded me of go that with your gut. this sort of yeah go with your gut and and trust yourself even if you're a fairly new learner of a language i think you still have a sense of what and how you learn well and this reminds me of people or learners who scold themselves for example for being not feeling ready to speak mm. which i know you can hide behind it and you know there's you have to I'll, i'll get to that in a second like sort of how to develop perhaps a good connection to your intuition or your gut feeling but people who, who you know like categorically know this would make me extremely uncomfortable Mm. but feel very comfortable learning in other ways and to not i don't know i think there is a case especially with a solo learner to really say well i know what's right for me right now mm. you know i think there's there's an element of personality there as well isn't there like if you're quite a stubborn person perhaps just in general then you're more likely to say, well, hang on, I'm doing this and this is what I'm doing, so leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to let it work. <laughs> mm. So I want to come back to this idea of gut feeling as, um, is it something, do you think, that's desirable to language learners? I think so. I think it, it kind of, rubs into that idea of i'm totally making up expressions all over the place here today <laughs> it rubs into that idea of um fluency mm. and like i think when you, perhaps fluency uh, i would say maybe a part of fluency is that gut feeling that intuition of like feeling the language and feeling that you can say this that way or you can you know put that expression there that sort of thing you know i feel like it's a part of that yeah Yeah, I think the the speed part that that we associate with fluency yeah. is is this or is is deeply mm. closely connected to this. So so we think we think it exists, right? We think gut feeling, you know how it feels and I think I do too. Mm. Like in English or even in French, if something is completely I feel like this sort of if you you know something isn't quite right. And even yeah. when you say a sentence, right? You say a sentence in your target language and and you know, like in Welsh, I know my limits intuitively. I know mm. when I come out of, okay, I'm just saying sentences, saying sentences, and then I'm switching to, I've no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. And that's then, that's not gut feeling as such anymore, except my gut feeling is telling me, oh, you know, you're on, you're on thin ice here with <laughs> your grammar. <laughs> <laughs> No one knows what you're saying, Kirsten. You know, but but that's that's really that's that's a feeling that I have that I may not have had at the start, but it's also a feeling that I have from from every experience I've ever heard, had speaking the languages I know well, because you know what it feels like to speak a language that you know well, and maybe it's also your gut telling you when it's a language you're not speaking well. It's your gut telling you, oh, you're in danger here. You know, you might make an error. Mm. So, question: How can answer? <laughs> please, hopefully, <laughs> how can we develop, or can we? Are there exercises you think, or anything specific that we can do to train our gut feeling in another language? Our feeling of this is right. This is how this language works. This is what looks good. You know what I think it really comes down to, and it's the most annoying answer, Ma. and it's the answer no one ever wants to hear. But I feel like it's practice. <laughs> I think I think that there's 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 two sides to it. Of course, there's there's practice of um, using it. You know, so like actually speaking as much as you can and getting those mistakes corrected. I think that's important here to develop that gut feeling because otherwise you just have errors that just roll on. Um, and then obviously writing and doing the same thing, getting your mistakes corrected, but then also input as much input as you can get. And I'm not just talking about go to the country and get immersion. That's not the answer. Mm. I think it's about, you know, you can create that from anywhere. So it's about having just as much of that as you can. 
like listening to stuff, watching stuff, reading stuff, talking to people, listening to other people talk, um, you know, really just enveloping yourself with that language as much as you possibly can to just see it, to hear it in context. And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the, uh, the unwanted answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, that, is, that is an answer, which is there's no secret. There's no intuition course no. that you can take. There's no sort of four-minute four trick or something like that. Although, okay, so do you think two things? Number one, do you think there's a benefit then to taking a deep breath, making sure you're not hungry or thirsty, putting yourself in a place that you enjoy, giving yourself a bit of delight around this feeling or giving yourself a, just, you know, making sure you are comfortable and happy as you start to practice? Do you think... You know when there's like emojis, like clapping emojis in between a word, I'm doing that right now, like 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. I talk about this, I think it's in um, Solar Language Learner Planner where I talk about this idea of like, how did you feel after, you know, where were you? And we, yeah, in, no, it's Language Study Club, I tell a lie. And um, there's one of the activities in the previous Language Study Club where it's about like assessing your environment like before and then after. So you look around, you say, okay, is there noise? Am I alone? Um, am I comfortable? Like you say, like, and, and then after you're saying to yourself, how did I enjoy that? And was it productive and helpful for me? Were there any distractions? And so you're constantly working on improving it. And it's never going to be 100% the perfect environment for you all of the time. You just can't control all of those conditions, all of those variables. But I think when you're aware of them, that can help you to then really sort of sink into your study and use it in the best way. Mm, mm. Which, of course, in turn, will develop this intuition that we're talking about. That's right. Because I guess, again, if we're going going back to the um, thinking fast and low, slow, thinking fast and low, thinking fast and low. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So so if we're going back to thinking fast and slow terms, again, it's sort of, it just gives your system one a chance to, you know, it's it's to come to the bubble up to the top, I suppose. Yeah. Literally, if any research cognitive psycho- uh, psychologist is listening, just do write in. You know, tell us tell us all the things that we got wrong, or please, you know, give us research things. And I'm going to, I'm I'm going to cite or um, <coughs> annotate some of the research from the book and put it in the show notes as well. So if there's anything interesting there, if you do want to read some of the research, but you know, we're not an academic podcast, so we're cool. The other thing, so I agree with you, the, the, the calm environment, you think then that's, that's a, a place to be. And that's interesting as well, because it, it means, it, it reminds me of how people book, say, their language lessons or their italki lessons or their, you know, um, online lessons or offline lessons. And it puts you in a context of if you don't like your tutor... You're going to find it harder to speak. If you're mm. going to have your lesson in a cafe where people are clattering plates all around you, you're going to find it harder to speak. And also, when you're traveling and you're doing that thing where you're speaking to somebody at the ticket counter and there's a massive queue behind you and it's the first time you're trying your foreign language, you're going to find it harder to speak. Because mm. those are not happy, comfortable environments. And if you're sat on the floor of the airport in the cold, Very I don't know why I keep going back to this. I've <laughs> never been in this scenario trying to learn a language but if you're trying to learn a language there Mm -hmm, no it's mm -hmm. not going to be as effective that's right that's right especially not in luton Lindsay. luton luton airport (laughs) so that was that was my one thing and then the other thing that you you mentioned input and i agree i think the more input you process the quicker you get at processing input the um (laughs) the obvious award goes to but how important do you think it is to have input at the right level then? Oh, interesting. Because if you don't um, understand it, if you don't even understand yeah. the gist, I'm not sure 
I think there's a benefit to both. Yeah. So I think when it comes to the sort of like passive listening, right? So say that you're like every every day when I sit down to start work, if I sit down in time before before I before like nine a.m., I'll get all my little podcast lineup of um, the SBS feed. And I'll have like one of them in the queue for each language. And I don't understand everything they're saying. And I'm not listening actively to everything they're saying. But just hearing that language spoken in real time, I, it makes me feel like, okay, I've, I've had some kind of connection. Like you say, with the contact goal, right? I've had some contact with that language today. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm in a, like in a, in a little study session, um, then I will be listening to something at my right level and using something that's more at my level to help me learn Mm -hmm. so i think when it comes to passive stuff like i'm watching at the minute um nikki jam el ganador me siento un ganador that's the little intro and on netflix and they use loads because he's from puerto rico so there's loads of like um slang and kind of slightly different accents now he's gone to colombia but he's still puerto rican so there's all these different like variations in, in in how they're speaking that i've never really come across before so I'm not going to, and I'm watching this when I'm like washing up, you know, and when I'm cooking. So I'm not paying that much attention to it, but I'm still getting in contact with the language. I think that's important be- as well, because it's all about how it makes you feel. And that makes me feel like, you know what, I'm I'm doing all right with Spanish at the minute because I'm watching Nicky Jam and I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm with the language. I'm spending more time with the language. So that's good. But if I was to then take that across into my study sessions, I wouldn't really use that as such because I know that's a little bit like specific and that's like my fun content but i would then use something that's a little bit more that's well with spanish it doesn't matter so much but something that would be more level appropriate mm, mm. interesting i like what you're saying that, that you know the you do develop a feel and this 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 is the mystery isn't it? it's like how did we develop this feel and you're right, maybe we don't even need to understand language even as much as we think. Like, I'm thinking of when I say if I'm looking at a page of Welsh at the start, um, mm. or I'm looking at, I don't know, I don't know, if, if I just look at a wall of Chinese characters, that doesn't teach me anything, that doesn't help. No. I, but maybe, maybe some low level of my brain gets more used to the shape of characters, gets more used to common, whatever. Yes. They, they have this kind of box and, you know, there's obviously the radicals and also we're not going to go into that. And the same if I look at the wall of Welsh, perhaps I get a sense of, you know, anything that's um, a language in the Latin alphabet. That I, I can imagine you look at them and you get a sense of, like Vietnamese, super short words, German, longer words. The longer mm. words are at this part of the sentence very often so maybe you even get a sense of for where your subjects are and where your nouns are and the verbs tend to be a shorter word and then they're here uh, or in welsh you know there's a certain um, amount of common plural ending and you're going to see those plural endings again and again and that could be something that you're developing even without understanding mm. and you know what I that reminds so. me of yeah i think i can imagine this, to a very large extent, is how little kids learn. Yeah. So it feeds back into that idea of like, children learn languages better, which is a whole different episode. Yeah, or like learn, but, learn a language naturally like a child. Yeah, yeah. Because it's pattern spotting. Again, that idea of your brain making all these associations. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is a... So this is such a deep topic and we've we've only i feel like we've only scratched the surface there's only one last thing i wanted to mention um since lindsay's got to go and we've got to wrap it up listeners so we we are we are scratching the surface in this in this episode and it's a fascinating topic i could talk about this forever but do you know share your experiences and please send send an email or send a tweet to at the fluent show or find me on instagram hashtag the fluent show still don't have an instagram account uh, but share your experiences with the idea of gut feeling and share your opinions. It'd be great to hear from you. Final thing I wanted to mention is that your gut feeling, just because it's a gut feeling, if we're going by um, if we're going by cognitive psychology, etc., your gut feeling isn't always right. 
Mm-hmm. And that made me think of fossilization, which is something that you read about in, you know, when, when you read about language acquisition and in the research, there is this thing called fossilization, which is when you get to a level and everything works and you're functioning in a language, but you're not improving anymore. Yeah. And I mean, do you know any English speakers who are like that? I feel like I, I do. And I'm, maybe I'm one of them. Yeah, I think so. I'm probably like that with Spanish and French, where like I got to a certain point and thought, oh, don't need to learn anymore, you know? Yeah. It's kind of lazy, I guess, but... (laughs) No, me and French as well. And I think that means that if there is an error that you have repeated many, many times and always, but, but it was always fine, I can imagine that that error becomes so available in your instant memory that you can't, you're kind of, you're kind of stuck with it and you'd have to actively tell yourself no this is actually wrong how i'm saying it yeah reminds me like this morning i said i kept talking about the herb oregano which i kept Uh pronouncing oregano right i think they do that in america but for some reason in in, close in my mind it was just oregano oregano and it felt correct and then christian goes it's oregano yeah yeah (laughs) which is something to you know it's it's, you can easily say that to your foreign wife but if i was english maybe he would have hesitated and and questioned it himself i don't know that those kind of things that you know it's really easy to get really comfortable with an error if it goes unchallenged so. so gut feeling is not everything but it's definitely something to aim for and what you mentioned before about confidence is matters massively. So you've got to trust yourself. You've got to, like if you have the gut feeling and you're not in that environment where you can, where you feel safe to act on it or you feel safe to trust it, then the whole house of cards falls down into the floor, right? Mm-hmm. So those were my, those were my, my final thoughts that I did want to mention. This was a really interesting discussion. I don't feel like we've, yeah, <laughs> we haven't even got very deep yet. I agree. Yeah. There's a lot more you could, a lot more direction you could take this in. Yeah. So perhaps it's one to uh, revisit in the future. And I will have Roger Kreutz, the author of Becoming Fluent on the podcast. And we sort of, again, touched on it, but perhaps this is why the books about this topic are so long, because it's a big topic. Lindsay thank you so much for coming on show and discussing with me yay thank you for having me yes we're very very excited about women in language listeners if you want to get a ticket now's your time to get a ticket or just visit womeninlanguage.com and see who we have lined up for you and without further ado is there anything that you wanted to mention otherwise I don't think so. Okay. Well, we're going to be rocking on to into the world of languages. And with no further comments, it is goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from Lindsay Williams. Oh, I was going to try and say it in Welsh, but I can only remember hello. <laughs> we didn't do goodbye when I did my little no, lesson. that's why. Ah, uh, huil. 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 Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. Don't forget that you can send us your comments and questions to be answered on the show to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you. We read every message. Don't forget to review us. See you next week.